Definitely when I was growing, like over the summer and stuff, I was comparing myself to everyone. Like anyone that had like even close to the amount of subscribers I I had, I was looking at how many views they got within the first hour. Like I was just watching everything. And that was really, really bad for me because it added to the anxiety and the stress of me posting a YouTube video. Because if I didn't get as many likes or as many views as they got, I would think that, oh, this video is about to flop, you know? But honestly, I feel like it's just been practice. Like I've just been, I've just gotten to the point where it's like, I got to this point because I'm me, you know? Like there's no reason that I should be comparing myself to somebody else that has like a completely different journey than I do. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. Before we get into today's conversation with Courtney Reezy, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to leave us a positive rating interview, share this episode with a friend, and subscribe to the show. But a brand new interviews every single Monday and a brand new takeaways episode is an audio exclusive where I sit down and break down the most recent podcast episode of the week every single Thursday. And now without further ado, I'm very excited to present to you my conversation with Courtney Breezy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. And today on the podcast, we are joined by YouTuber Courtney Adana, aka Court Reezy. In July of 2020, she only had 36,000 subscribers. Flash forward today, she's sitting at 1.72 million subscribers. And I'm very excited to have her here on the podcast today to talk about that journey. Courtney, welcome to the podcast. Wow, thank you so much. That was such a nice introduction. <laughs> <laughs> thank but you. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to have you here. And where I want to start, I want to go all the way back to the beginning I did a little research before, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you were born in Dallas, but raised in Houston, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so kind of pre-YouTube before everything, like what kind of kid were you and what did you want to be growing up? Um, Honestly, I feel like I was kind of destined to do YouTube somehow, some way, just because like when I was growing up, I always asked my mom, can you put me in acting? Can you put me in something? Like something with some type of entertainment, you know? Um, And so it wasn't until I think my freshman year of high school, me and my friend decided, oh, let's make a YouTube channel. And I was down. And so um, we made that. And from that moment on, I literally just wanted to be a YouTuber. Was that channel called Spats Vion? <laughs> Spats TV on. Yeah. Spats TV Got you. So yeah. what, what, is, what does that mean? I don't know. Like, I'm telling you, we literally just put words together and we we're like, okay, that's going to be our channel name. I have no idea what it means. And so what type of videos were you making back then? Um, it was like a combination of like challenge videos. Um, we even did like music videos, parody music videos type thing. Um, and so it was challenges and a lot of just skits and just stuff that was like really trending back then. Yeah. And yeah. I, have a, I have a quote written down here. It says that when you, you used a quote unquote nasty camcorder to make those videos, mm-hmm. so t- but like, talk to me about kind of those early days. Like, did you know kind of from that moment that like, this is what I want to do, even though like the gear wasn't what, like the best gear in the world, like just making the videos, you knew that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. Just because it was so I think the most exciting part was honestly just uploading the video and then seeing the response. Um, The process of like thinking of a video idea and actually doing it and successfully like publishing it was like the most, I don't know. It was just a really exciting process. I enjoyed the whole entire process of making videos and uploading. So, Mm -hmm. And you were inspired by uh, Keen and Sam, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So what was it about those two that kind of inspired you? Um, I think it was because there are two best friends and Spaz TV on was literally two best friends. And, um, we felt like if they can do it, we can honestly do it. And I think during the time there wasn't a lot of women, I guess, or teenage girls that look like me making content on YouTube. So that was like part of the inspiration as well. Mm-hmm. It was, it was creating the content that you were looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. And so like, for context for the audience, how old were you around the time you started your first channel? I think I was like 14, 14, about that 14. age. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like first year high school type situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so like, what was, did you, did you share with your classmates that you were doing videos or anything like that? Like what was the reaction when you started making videos? 
I kept it to myself because I mean, one, I felt like even though I enjoyed making the content, I just didn't want anyone to see it for my real life. Um, it was really weird. I think it was just I was afraid of judgment from other people. And um, mostly because I think me in school versus me on YouTube was like almost two different people. Like on YouTube, I felt like I could be 100% myself, mostly because the people at school weren't seeing the content. Um, and then at school, I was just more shy and like reserved. And the first time, correct me wrong, the first time that your people kind of saw your videos in public was in a history class or something like that, right? Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know. I can't remember exactly what happened, but all I know is that my uh, history teacher watched the video. And I think like a lot of my, I wasn't actually in the classroom. I was just told about it. And um, the whole entire class watched my videos and it was kind of embarrassing, but a lot of people said they enjoyed it. So that kind of made me feel better, but yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, like, so now in terms of people watching your videos in public today, like, would you have a better reaction if someone like, if you're at a party or something and someone put one of your videos up on the TV, would you, would that be received by you better now than it was back then? Um, I still don't like, honestly, I just don't like seeing people watch my videos in front of me, but I mean, I don't mind people watching my videos. Of course, like there's, I have 1 million subscribers, so people in my real life have definitely seen my videos, but I just don't want to see you watch it. You know, like it just makes me, I feel like I'll be watching your reaction the whole entire time. And it just stresses me out. Mm -hmm. And what about, what about your parents? Like when you made that first, that first channel, what did you tell them? And like, what did they think of you making a channel? Yeah, I think, I think, well, did I tell them? I feel like I told them later down the line. Cause they're like, why are you always filming videos? Why is your friend always over? You know, like stuff like that. So um, eventually they did, find out about my YouTube channel. And I think during the time I was just doing a lot, like I was doing stuff at school and I was trying to like make sure I had good grades and like, they just weren't really supportive of it in, uh, during the time, but now they love it. But yeah, it was kind of a journey, like convincing them to like it. Yeah. Cause one of the things you said to we kind of sent to me in like in that form that I have for the calendar was that one of the things was being a creative in a, in a household that prefers education, stuff like that. So is that something kind of like you said it was a journey. So it was like something you had to battle with, with your parents over the last many years since starting your yes, channel. It was such a huge battle. Like, uh, especially like during college, because it's like, I need to make sure I have good grades so I can get into medical school, for example. And, um, if I have YouTube, that's like taking me away from studying. It's the problem. You said they're they're on board with it now. They're, they're all for it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I'm I'm curious with your experience in high school versus when you look at high schoolers today, like why do you think so many kids want to be YouTubers now? Like you were kind of ahead of the curve back in 2012, 2013 when you started your channel. But what about like kids today? Why do you think so many kids want to be YouTubers? I think honestly, um, hmm. I feel like one, it's, I guess when you watch your favorite YouTuber, a lot of the times, like you kind of want to aspire to be like them. And so um, I think that's part of the reason. But I also feel like, I guess when you find out that YouTubers make so much money and like they live like really nice lives, that can really pressure people to want to do it too. Yeah. And then especially since like a lot of people don't really want to go to school. So if they feel like YouTube is a way out, they'll definitely do it. Is the glamorous life of a YouTuber, is that is that a genuine glamorous life or is that one that they see on camera and that kids aren't seeing what actually goes on behind the scenes? Oh yeah, definitely. It's definitely like what's seen on camera because behind the scenes, there's definitely stress um, and just like pressure a lot of the times, especially when you grow. Um, there's so much pressure for you to consistently post and also post things that you feel like are going to keep your audience still supporting you, um, not making mistakes. Like there's a lot of pressure when it comes to doing social media. And I want to talk more about you kind of you blowing up in a little while in a minute, but I'm curious, speaking of that pressure, do you think had you blown up on YouTube, we'll say three years ago, would you think you would have handled that pressure worse, better? Like, how do you think having been on YouTube for so many years prepared you to handle that pressure versus if you'd blown up sooner? I think, hmm. yeah, I feel like I don't think I would have been able to handle it as much a couple years ago. Um, that's why I feel like, honestly, like, I guess the blow up, it happened at the perfect time because um, I feel like at this point, I've like kind of solidified my video editing style. I've just 
everything when it comes to YouTube is my thing, you know? And a couple of years ago, I was still trying to find myself on the platform, trying to figure out what kind of content do I even like posting? What kind of con do I want to make videos just to get views? Or do I want to make videos that I genuinely feel like is good, you know? And, um, a couple of years ago, I was definitely like unsure about everything. I just knew that I wanted to do it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And it's taken, like you said, multiple years, multiple channels to get to this point. Because after that original channel, you and Doris, I believe is your friend's name, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you split, right? And you, you went your separate, you each created individual channels and then you came back and made another channel, um, Court and Doris. You made a Court second group channel after that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you also had, and then so your, your channel is called Styled by Court, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But I changed the name now, but yeah. Yeah. Styled by Court. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. And it's like, why, what was, how come you kept making and recreating different channels instead of just sticking with the one? Um, I think when we started Spaz TV on that, we were literally kids. We didn't really know how to edit like that. And I think with the court and doors channel, it felt like a rebrand. Um, it was just like, it was something new. Of course, we were still going to be making the same type of videos, but it was just going to be more in like more of a mature way and a better representation representation of who we are and then with the separate channels um i think we split up with that just so we can feel like we have some type of individuality on the platform um and so yeah we were definitely still posting on the group the what's it called the group channel um but we also felt like you know maybe we could post on our own too so got you okay and so all this time making all these videos you're also this is all during high school and you graduated top of your class too right mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. And, and so you said one of, one of the reasons that kids don't, or kids want to become YouTubers, they don't necessarily want to go to school. When you graduated, and we're going to be talking about how your parents are focused on education. Did you want to go to college at that point? Or did you just, did you want to kind of skip school and go all in on YouTube at that point in time? Um, yeah, I definitely still wanted to go to college during the time because I was still on, I still had the idea that I wanted to do YouTube, but I also wanted to make sure like, if YouTube doesn't work out, like I'll be, at least I'll be a doctor or something. And so I think, uh, what's it called? The summer before college started, that's when I made my current channel, Court Reezy. And I think during that summer, I gained like 14,000 subscribers. And I was like, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If I can gain 14,000 subscribers, like if I actually consistently post, maybe I can like do more. And I think when I got to college, I stopped posting because I didn't have time to focus on YouTube at all. And I think during that time that I stopped posting, I realized maybe I actually want to do YouTube. Like I feel like I could possibly grow on the platform um, if I actually have time to post. What did you do that first summer that allowed you to go zero to 14K? I was doing like reaction videos. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so with college, so YouTube took like, you kind of like stopped posting altogether that first year of college then? Yeah. I think I posted like one video that, um, that first year of college. Wow. Okay. And so how, like, when did you start posting again? Was it like kind of that summer of your first year of your college university where you're like, I miss YouTube and start doing that again? Is that when you restarted the channel kind of? Yeah. So, um, or are you saying when did I start posting after the freshman year? Yeah, because you, you took that break. So like, when did you start posting after that that break? Oh, so summer, I always utilize my summers and my winter breaks. And that's when I would post a lot. And every single time I would post, I would grow. So I'm like, you know, that was kind of part of the reason why I kept thinking, okay, maybe I don't want to do school. Maybe I don't want to become a doctor anymore, you know? Um, because every time I did post, I grew. Yeah, okay. And so like, was, would that be your advice to, to college students today? I mean, granted, everyone's at home. Actually, I live in Canada. I don't know what it is right now, but everyone here is back to online learning. No one's back at school, but is that your advice to college students who want to be YouTubers to leverage kind of that summer break, that winter break, batch as much content as you can and kind of schedule that out? Yeah. Especially summer break. Like I don't, I feel like most people really blow up in the summer just because so many people are at home. Like there's so much time one for you to make content and there's so much time for people to watch the content. So, yeah. And so I'm curious. So along this whole journey, I think you started since 2012, 2013, 2019, I have a quote here from, I think it was from an Instagram captioner from a video that I watched in preparing for this. And this is my goal is to be a full-time YouTuber. Don't tell my parents. I'm curious why you're at this point, six, seven years into the channel. Why is it still your dream? You know what I mean? Like it's been such a long journey. Why are you still going at that point? 
I just, I genuinely enjoy making content. And I feel like it is kind of crazy to think about like how many years went by and I'm still like trying to make this thing happen. But I feel like I genuinely enjoy making content, posting it. And I think deep down, I think I can be successful at it or I know I can be successful at it. So the only thing that was stopping me was time and like having time to make content. But if I had the time, I know I could be successful at it. So that's why I just kept, I get, I don't know, believing in myself. Where does that belief come from? I guess like, it's kind of like validation from the people that subscribe, you know, like when in the summer I would like post videos and I would grow. So when I was doing that, I enjoyed the process, but the fact that I was growing and the fact that I was seeing all these comments telling me, you need to post more videos, you need to post more videos. I felt like people genuinely like my content and, um, I have something, I guess. And yeah, I just need to keep going. Yeah. And then how do you handle, cause YouTube is very much a roller coaster, especially early on. How do you handle when like one video does really well, might get like 10,000 views, but the next one gets like 500 views, you know, like how do you handle that roller coaster? Oh, that's stressful. Like I, I still try and work on it today. Like, because, um, you know, it just sucks because I feel like, why didn't y'all watch this? If y'all can watch this video, why can't you watch this one? You know? Um, so it really messes with me a lot, but I just have like the right people around me to remind me that at the end of the day, if it is only five, 500 people watching this video, that's 500 people that decided to click on your video and watch it. So I just remind myself of small things like that and it keeps me going. Mm -hmm. And you have yeah. to keep posting no matter what, right? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And so like, I think, I don't know if this was this year, last year, I think it was June, July, maybe 2019. You're getting, again, one of some of the videos had four or 500 views at the time. You post like screenshots in the video. They obviously don't have that many views now. Okay. Um, but so did anyone ever kind of, as you're going through this, did you, you said you have a good circle around you, but was anybody ever telling you to maybe put YouTube on the back burner and kind of not focus on YouTube and just focus on school? Is that, did you have people in your life that were telling you that? Yeah. Mostly my like parents, like I know they were looking out for me at the end cause they didn't know the, there's no security, honestly, with YouTube. Um, and they felt like if I just did school, at least I'll have like a backup plan. And when I'm done with school, then I can do YouTube. So they were the main people. Yeah. And to your point, like you said, it's not, it's coming from a good place when they're telling you to do that, but you know, deep down, like YouTube is what you want to do. So how do you, I mean, you're battling with the ever fluctuating world of YouTube, you're getting thousands of views on one video, a couple hundred on the next, plus your parents are, how do you kind of handle adding that into the equation of your parents telling you to stop? Like, how do you handle all of that move all the moving pieces at the same time yeah it was really hard I think the way I handled it handled it the best though is by planning like I'm just such a huge planner so one I would just ignore my parents advice <laughs> I would ignore whatever they're saying and I would sit back and most of the time when they would say that it would empower me to make videos like every single time they would say it or like we get in an argument or something I'm planning my next video I'm planning my next four videos and figuring out what, what day I'm going to post it, how long it's going to take me to edit it and actually like post it on YouTube. So that was my biggest way of like getting through it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, it's the consistency, right? And it builds the momentum and that's what keeps yeah. you going. Even in those yeah. tough times. Mm -hmm. I like that. Was there ever a point where you got close to quitting YouTube? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, um, it was kind of, I think it was, it was like my last year of school and I was like realizing like, I don't know if YouTube is going to work out. Like I've been trying all this time and nothing's happening. So I actually made like a pact with myself kind of to, it was in the beginning of like, what was it? 2020. I told myself I'm going to post consistently. And if it doesn't work out, then like, I'm just going to focus on like doing school and it ended up working out luckily. But um, yeah, that's honestly when I was thinking about quitting. The main reason I even had that idea was because it felt like everything in my personal life was just going bad. And like adding YouTube to it, it just didn't feel like it was worth it at the time. So. And then you were supposed to, you were planning to go to nursing school, right? Like you graduated mm -hmm. and then you were going to go to nursing school. Yeah. And then that's, so that summer then before nursing school is when, which was this last summer, this one things summer. really started to take off, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so the videos, correct me wrong, but the videos that really started to get a lot of traction where you really started trying to go, that was the rating TikTokers N-word apology videos, right? Yeah. Where did that 
idea for a video come from? Like, I thought it was awesome. I was on the phone with a friend of mine earlier today. I was telling him about this podcast we recorded. I told him about those that video series, and he thought that was amazing. It's like, where did that <laughs> that content idea come from? Um, I think during the time, I don't know why there were so many apology videos coming out. Like this TikToker, this TikToker, and you know, TikTok was like the biggest thing at the time. I mean, it still is, but um, everyone was talking about TikTok the beginning of uh the COVID or pandemic. Or whatever and um so yeah I think I realized like let me just rate them you know let me just do that and also during the time I mean I had no other choice I was just thinking of ideas to do um and just trying to focus on making sure I grow my platform as much as possible I didn't even expect the video to blow up mostly because it blew up like weeks after I posted it so um I guess when it did start blowing up, I was just like, whoa, I just gained 30,000 subscribers. What's what's happening? I'm scared. <laughs> but yeah. Why do you think it took weeks for it to start getting traction? Um, I think because no one was watching my videos. Um, and I think because honestly, before I made that video, I think I was getting like 200 views per video, which I mean, I'm still grateful for, but it was just, it was low. Um, and I think also because I was talking about TikTok and TikTokers, um, people were really interested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you go back from when you initially posted? Did you go back and like change the description, the title, the thumbnail, the tags or anything like that? I didn't change anything. Like the video just started randomly getting views. So. And when did you first realize it was taking off? Like, were you checking your analytics every day and you just happened to realize it? Or was it just randomly you checked your channel one day and it had like thousands and thousands of views and you were like, holy shit. Yeah. So I was rarely checking my analytics because I wasn't really getting views. So I just stopped checking. Um, but I think one day I just was getting a lot of notifications from YouTube because sometimes YouTube randomly notifies me for stuff. Um, and so I was getting like comments on the video. I was like, wait, hold on, let me check how many views this has. And it had like a couple thousand. And that was like very, very impressive for my channel. So um, I just kept watching it and I started seeing my channel grow, like my subscriber count. And that's when I realized like, oh my God, this video is about to blow up. A lot of people have a viral moment, but not a lot of people capture the momentum of that viral moment very well. But you did perfectly. Why did you decide to follow up to do a series of those videos instead of doing other types of content? Was it just because this worked? Let's see how long I can make this last. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Like, I just felt like if I post this video, obviously it's good. Um, and I think. Another thing that was really good was because people were watching my other old videos and they're like, oh, I really like her quality. Like, I like what she posts. Um, but yeah, I saw that the video was really successful. So I'm like, you know what? Let me do a part two. There's a lot of there's a lot of TikTokers that said the N word. So I was like, let me just make another part, another part, a part three, a part four, whatever. Um, but I just made sure to also do other types of videos in between the videos. So in case like people watch the video, they go back and watch my other one. and. I don't know. I just, I just made sure to keep it going and span it out like over the summer. Yeah. And that way you're not, you're not pigeonholing yourself into one type of content. You're not just known as a person who rates TikTok or yeah. N-word of apology videos. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I was, that was actually one of like my biggest fears. I didn't want that to be like the only thing I'm known for. Once after that video had really gone viral and you were making your next couple posts, were you nervous to follow that up? Because I feel like that's such a big thing where it's like, this video has millions of views now. This next one needs to do just as well, right? Because there's like the expectation. You talked about the pressure earlier. So how nervous were you to make those next couple posts after that video went viral? I was so nervous. Like you can ask my friends. Like I was so nervous. I was literally panicking before I hit the upload button. I was watching every time I would edit a video, I would watch it over and over and over again to make sure, okay, is it actually as funny as like the video that went viral? And especially when I did like the part two of the rating TikTokers and word apology video, I was so nervous because I'm like, okay, if they like the first one, I have to make sure that this one is just as good, you know? So it was really stressful, but I'm just glad that I didn't completely just not post at all because I was very close to doing that because it was just scary. I just, I'm very anxious and yeah. Okay. And all those videos are demonetized, right? Um, okay. So the first one, I think the first and second one is demonetized and the last, the last two were monetized. Do you know why the first two got demonetized? Um, the first one was, was demonetized because I used um, a Chris Brown song in it. And, um, I think the reason I even did that was because I didn't think the video was going to go viral. Like I thought 
because at the end of the day, like I wasn't really making money off YouTube. So I felt like I can use this. I can do anything I want on my videos, you know? Um, so I wasn't expecting it to actually go viral. And then I think with the second one, I don't know what happened. I just, I just checked my analytics and it said it was limited. So I'm like, whatever. I don't know what to okay. do. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good lesson for people that are on YouTube now. That's like you never know when your channel is going to pop, so you don't want any of your videos to be able to like you want all your channels videos to be monetizable, even if you're not huge yet for that moment when you do pop off. I think that's a good lesson. And so you had thirty six thousand subscribers, I believe, at the beginning of July, and then by the end of July, you had four hundred thousand or something like that. Right? Is that is that is that close to the number? Yeah. How are you feeling? Like, what's going through your mind at the end of that month? I was, I was in disbelief. Like I really couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And I think at the end of the month, I was just stressed, like all around stress. Like I was grateful, but I was also like really stressed. Cause I just had the feeling that even though I wanted it for so long, I don't know if it's called imposter syndrome, but I just felt like, am I sure? Like, are y'all sure that you subscribed to me? I don't know. I was just very, very stressed. Cause I felt like people were just going to watch me and then like, forget about me. So it's great that you, you mentioned that because literally my next question was, did you deal with imposter syndrome or anything? So that's perfect. But even despite that, so you kept posting the videos, like you said, and those videos after they all kept getting hundreds of thousands, millions of views. So things was going well. But even at that point, you're still planning on going to nursing school, right? Yeah, I was. Um, I mean, I didn't want to, but I wanted to like make my parents happy and but I honestly spent most of August like trying to convince them, like, I don't think I need it, you know, like the way the views are coming in. I don't think I need it anymore. Um, and it wasn't until the first day of nursing school, literally the day before nursing school, we were like rushing, trying to get like scrubs, trying to get like the books that I need for class. And the day of um, the first day of school, my parents like sat me down and they're like, you know, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. I'm like, okay. Perfect. How does it feel then when you drop out of school, you decide I'm going to be a full-time YouTuber. How does it feel that first morning you wake up when you're a full-time YouTuber, you're working at it for almost a decade at that point. Like, how does it feel to finally be there? It feels so good because I don't know. It's just something that I've always wanted. And the fact that I'm living the life that I've always wanted, it just, I don't know. I, I'm just extremely grateful. So grateful. Mm-hmm. And even though like your parents, they co-signed that decision. They said it was cool to drop out of school. You wanted to do this. Was it still a difficult decision to make? Like it's still like, you said something, it was easy. Mm-mm, it was easy for me. <laughs> I was ready. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I mean, I do. I think in the beginning I was a little bit nervous. Cause I'm like, there is a chance that these people could like stop watching my videos. And then I would like start from square one. Um, but you know, I just believe that if I continued posting, then I'd be good. Okay. I've talked to people on the podcast in the past when they've had a goal, not necessarily being a YouTuber, but they've had a, a long-term goal they've been chasing for a long time. When they finally achieve it, there's almost like a sense of they're happy and to your point, they're grateful, but there's almost a sense of unhappiness because like the journey is quote unquote over because you've achieved that goal. Did you, did you have that at any point where you're like, oh, I'm here now. And it was, it almost felt like weird. Like you were stoked and everything was awesome. But at the same point, you were kind of like, this is weird. Like, did you feel that at all? Um, yeah, I think when I was growing or before I like got to this point, um, I think I had like a different expectation on like what, how I would feel and everything. Like though I was happy, I just felt like I still feel the same. Like, even though like, oh, I have a bunch of subscribers, I still feel like me. And I think maybe it's because like the pandemic or whatever, but it's not like I've actually bumped into subscribers, like going out or whatever, you know, like it just feels like, oh, I just have a lot of subscribers. That's it. And so like, how does that differ from what your expectation was? Um, I can't, <laughs> it's crazy, but um, I guess when I see like big YouTubers, I just, I don't know why I look at them as like, not famous, but like close, you know? And I don't feel like that at all. Like I literally just feel like a regular person that just posts videos on the internet. And so I think it's because I do watch YouTube a lot. So my favorite YouTubers, I see them as like, it's not like I idolize them or anything, but I just see them as like, wow, like I, I really like you like a lot, you know? Um, and I just feel regular. I think it's because I'm just in my own body. So I don't really know how other people perceive me, but 
you mentioned the pandemic. So have you had a chance to kind of meet and quote unquote like network with other big YouTubers yet? Um, not big YouTubers. Surprisingly, I've met up with TikTokers. Um, and it's kind of funny because it's like I I blew up because I made videos about TikTokers and now I'm like what some of my closest friends are actually TikTokers now. Um, but I've talked to YouTubers over like the phone and stuff like that, but I've never actually met up with any of them. Um, that's the goal for 2021, you know, when everything opens up, but yeah. Yeah. And so what's something that you never would have expected about being a full-time YouTuber? Maybe it is the fact that it feel, at least feel, feel the same, but like what, what has surprised you the most? Mm. Oh, <laughs> some people just aren't like they are on like, or they're different from what they present, which I'm sure like a lot of people know that, but it's just, I've visited LA and I've visited some people and I'm just like, wow, like you're just so different than what you show, you know? Um, and I think a lot of people just need to realize that the good stuff, the cars, all of the good stuff that you see on social media, some of it is just not real at all, you know? So that's the most shocking thing for me. Yeah. I think a lot of people would be surprised with how much of it is, isn't actually real. Yeah. You know, I think people would be yeah. surprised. Um, yeah. what about like, once you go full-time, things are starting to like pop off for you. Did anybody come out of the woodwork? Like people from high school be like, yo, remember high school? And you're like, you never talked to me in high school. Like, did you have to deal with that? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Quite a few times. Um, people getting, going in the DMs or following me on the Instagram that they never wanted to follow me. But, oh, actually, I had this one situation, which I don't want to reveal too much, but it was um, this one person from high school that unfollowed me on all social media, unfollowed my brother from social media because we all went to the same high school. Um, all of a sudden, I think I posted my like plaque, my 100,000 plaque um, on Twitter. And all of a sudden, I got emails, DMs, text messages, literally emails asking like just to hold a camera up for me when I film. And I'm like, whoa, like, <laughs> you didn't even talk to me. Like, it's just crazy. It's crazy. That's nuts. And so when did you, so the 100K plaque, that would have came in the summer, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the million plaque, which is hanging on your wall behind you, which is awesome, by the way. Yeah. That was November, December-ish when you passed the million? November, yeah. November. Mm -hmm. And so, like, being a full-time YouTuber is one thing. How does it feel to, to just see those numbers, so all those zeros? How does it feel to finally hit a million? It felt amazing. Like, I just, I couldn't believe it. Especially, I couldn't believe how fast it happened. Um, because it's like, one, I think my goal initially was just to hit 100K. Was, I would be happy with 100K. Even 500K, I was like, oh, my, I, I hope I reach that like goal one day. But to hit a million, I just, I couldn't believe it. And I was really, really grateful. Because it's like a million people really like went on my channel and hit the subscribe button. Yeah. Yeah. What what's harder? I mean, I've heard Casey Neistat say it's harder to get your first. I think it's ten thousand to get to get to a million. I mean, you. I guess your first summer, you hit fourteen k pretty quickly. So, have you? Do you like? Is it similar for you where you understand why that first ten k is the hardest, or was the million the hardest for you? Um, I think the first ten k was the hardest because I feel like it's harder. I feel like it's harder for people to subscribe to a channel that has zero subscribers. I don't know why. Um, it's just not as easy. Um, and I think, hmm, actually, I don't know. I have different ideas now. <laughs> um, actually, no, I think it is harder to get your first 10K. Yeah. Because I think you have to figure out, yeah, I think you have to try and figure out what's going to work and what's going to get you to that 10K. And then hitting a million, I think it gets easier. Like once you hit like, 500,000, for example, you know what got you to 500,000. So you just have to keep on doing what got you to 500,000 so you can hit a million. And so with that in mind, looking back, were you more excited when you hit 10K or is million just a whole nother level? Like you were way more excited to hit a million than 10K. I was excited for both. <laughs> um, I think I was, I think I was really excited to hit 10K though. Because I had never hit 10K before. I was like, whoa, like 10,000 people subscribe to me. Like, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think I was more excited about that. Just because um, when I hit a million, I was already growing. Like, I was growing at like a steady, like 200,000 subscribers a month type pace. So it was like, I knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of time before it happened. 
Um, but with 10,000, I didn't expect it at all, you know? And what's the creator scene like down in, in Texas? Oh, I don't know. I don't really talk to any creators. In, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really have any, like, Texas creator friends. Except, like, my best friend Doris. Like, she has a channel herself. So, um, but that's about it, honestly. And you you, met, you mentioned you went out to L.A. That was That was to the Vibe House, right? For, like, a month <laughs> or something like that? Yeah, yeah. For a month. Yeah? Yeah. And so... I mean, you, you kind of mentioned how sometimes like on social media and like LA specifically, like, sometimes things aren't what they appear to be. Um, but what were some of your, your other takeaways from being in LA? For, was, that, was that your first time in LA? No, my first time was in October and I stayed for like a week. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what was like, what was your kind of, what else, were there any takeaways from your time in LA? Maybe even just like being around a bunch of other, even though you said it was TikToks more than YouTubers, but just being around other full-time creators, like what were some of the takeaways you had from that, from that experience? Um, I, I really loved it. I'm not going to lie. Like it just felt good to be around everyone or other people that are doing the same exact stuff that you're doing and also see the drive for them to wake up every single morning and make content. Like here, when I'm in Texas, like it's cool, you know, but not everyone is, you know, everyone's not doing the same stuff as me. So I have to really motivate myself to get up every single day and make content, you know, but in LA, it's just so easy. Cause it's like, you wake up and you see this person like making a TikTok or you see this person like preparing to make a YouTube video, you know, it's very inspiring. And especially since I'm seeing people that are so young and so successful, like it just, it keeps me going. Okay. I kind of want to talk about your whole process for, for making those videos. Um, Obviously the first one, where do you come up with your ideas? Do you have like a note in your phone of all these different video ideas? Like how do you come up with all the different content ideas? Yeah, I actually just, I type in my phone, like in my notes app. Literally that's it. Like, I'll, I don't know what, like, I think it's mostly because I'm always on YouTube and I'm sometimes like always on TikTok. Um, but I just get random ideas just like that. So if I see something weird on TikTok, I'm like, mm, I think I might make a video on that. And then if I see something on YouTube, I might get inspired or I just might, I don't know, something random. It's mostly random stuff. Yeah. But there's no like sitting, just like sitting in your room, just trying to think of videos or anything. It just kind of happens oh, organically. No. no, that happens too. That, it's like a combination of both. Like if I feel like I don't know what I want to post this week, I'll really sit down and try and figure out what I should do. You you serialize a lot of your content, right? Like you try to do multiple parts. What's the the strategic reason? We kind of talked about a little bit. What's the reason behind doing that? I know like you did it beyond just the rating TikTokers and word apology videos. Like you did it with America's Next Top Model. I believe you did a series about that. It's like, yeah. why do the series? I think because if somebody, I feel like if you like one video that is related to something, people are going to watch another one and another one and another one and another one. So um, that's honestly like, my feelings behind that um and honestly personally i like watching series stuff so i feel like my audience would also like it too and they do 100 percent. and too like with the series it's going to create a long longer watch time average view but it's also going to create a longer session total which youtube loves as well like have you seen that in your analytics that people stay longer through a full series and they do just one-off videos yeah they do yeah 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 interesting okay and I have, I think I watched cause you, you put out a video about how you blew up on YouTube. And one of the things was stop trying to be original, do the trendy and popular content, which I feel like that is contrary to what most people tell you. Most people tell you be yourself. People are going to follow you for you, but you say do the opposite. I'm curious why that is. Um, because one, okay. Especially if you're small, I feel like it's hard to get an original video idea out in the public. So I feel like you genuinely should just do trendy topics, but be original in your personality because that's what's going to keep people on your page and are going to actually make people subscribe. You know, obviously when you grow more, you can definitely like mix in some original content. And also even when you're small, you can mix in some original content. But I think you should definitely focus on doing stuff that you feel if you want to grow. Focus on doing stuff that you think people will find interest in because TikTok was definitely trendy when I made that video. And I knew that if I did a TikTok related video, people would find it. I didn't think like six, I don't know how many views the video has, but I didn't think that many people would find it, but I knew someone would find it eventually. Okay. I like that. I like the fact that like, cause when someone hears that just off the cuff, they think like, well, I don't want to make a video like someone else, but you're not making a video like someone else. You're making it in your style, which would make it unique. I think that's, that's, that's super smart. And my other question too is with that, 
how do you kind of balance, because you're still making it in your style, but it might be someone else's idea for lack of a better word. So how do you balance like making, like you could make a bunch of trending content, but what if you don't like that trending content? You know what I mean? Like how do you balance making content you want to make versus making content you know is going to get views? Mm. Okay, so I mean, personally, even when I know a video is going to get views, I still personally enjoy making it. And I like the video idea itself. I don't think anyone should make videos that they don't enjoy making um, just because the drive to make the video amazing is not going to be there. You know, when I really like a video, I'm going to take the extra time to edit it and I'm going to do the extra to make the video like a 10 out of 10, you know? But if I don't care for the video, I'm not, I just want to get it over with, you know? So I think everyone should just do videos that they truly enjoy. Okay. And another thing too, you said in that video is you have to experiment with your content. What is, to you, what does experimenting with your content mean? Um, so when I was growing or before I grew, when I just had 36,000 subscribers, um, I was just doing like a bunch of random stuff. Like I think I would throw in a vlog here. I would throw in a fitness video here. I would, I don't know. I was just doing everything to see which one would t- would like pop off. And obviously by doing that, that's what made me do a commentary video. I mean, I didn't expect to do that, but by doing that, that's how people found my channel and that's how I was able to grow. But if I never tried like doing different stuff, people would never, I don't think I would be here, honestly. And what about with, with, with trying, experimenting with different content, sometimes you might have to get out of your comfort zone. Is that something you had to do with any of the content you were experimenting with was getting out of your comfort zone? Hmm. I think, so. yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I'm not really like a vlogging type of person. Um, so I definitely, I posted like a vlog here and there and it's not really my thing. I mean, I definitely want to get into it more. Um, but I've just never really been like a vlogging type of person. I get nervous to hold a camera up like in public. Um, but that was like the biggest thing I had to do. Do you have any tips for people that also struggle with vlogging in public? Um, I mean, I still need tips, but um, I think honestly, just Try not to look at other people. I think if you just focus on like holding the camera and looking at the lens and you don't see other people, it it gets easier. And especially if you go out with other people. So if I'm out with friends, it's a lot easier for me to vlog in public than it is if I'm by myself. A hundred percent. I agree. I mean, like my, my vlogging channel is 41 subscribers. So we're on a bit of a different playing field here, but like, I've felt that where it's like when you're with people, it's so much easier. Um, but talk to me about then with, so we talked about how you come up with the ideas. What about scheduling them out? Like, do you have a, a calendar or something that you follow where you map out all your videos? And like, how far ahead do you try to plan? Um, I try and plan like a month in advance or, you know, yeah, a month in advance, but I don't ever like stick with it. You know, that's my issue. Like I, I'll make like a huge plan on like when I'm going to post and when I'm going to like film the video, but I just never do it. Um, and so, and a lot of the times, like the videos that I have planned for the month, it doesn't happen. Like I might like switch it out for something that I thought of that week. So, yeah. Why is that? I, I, I don't know. I think it's cause, you know, let's say if I have a video idea, like April 1st, I plan out my whole entire month. Right. Once April 15th comes, I realize I don't really want to upload that video. I don't really want to make it. I, I like this video idea better. And that's just why that would happen. And so how often are you uploading once a week right now, twice a week? What's kind of your, your schedule at the moment? Yeah, I upload once a week. Once a week. Okay. And so how important, like before you blew up, you were kind of sporadic with your posting, right? It was like, once you started posting consistently, that's when you really started to notice, get the traction, right? Was it consistent Mm -hmm. posting? Mm -hmm. How hard is it to post a new YouTube video every single week? Um, it's kind of hard. For me personally, because I, I procrastinate way too much and I don't know why I'm like this. I'm trying to change, but um, I'm always procrastinating filming and editing or starting editing. Once I start editing, I can go. But once like the whole process of starting is the part that takes me a while. Um, and so that's the only reason it's hard for me. But honestly, if I don't procrastinate, then it's pretty good. Okay. And so what does... What does the filming process look like? Like how, well, first off, how often do you film? Cause you're posting once a week. Are you trying to like sit down first two days a month or something and batch out all the videos for the month? Or do you do them like film the once at a time? Um, I film like two, well, I try to post like, or film like two videos. Um, so I have like two weeks of videos ready, you know? So um, like today I actually plan on filming like two videos and that's going to be like my video for this week. No, 
next week and the week after. Um, and so that's typically what I do. It's very hard for me to like sit down in the beginning of the month and film like a whole bunch of videos. I want to do that, but it's just, I can't. And so like, if you were to, if you were to get or approximately, like, how long does it take you to just sit down and film the content for one video? Um, it really depends on the video, but typically it's like 45 to an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, hour 30 around that time period. Okay. And the videos come out around 15, 20 minutes long after, mm -hmm. after editing. Yeah. Okay. I cut out and, a, lot. a lot. Yeah. Do yeah. do you script the videos or anything or do you just kind of do it off the cuff and just sit down and, and go? Okay. So when it comes to like my intros, I kind of script that because sometimes I want to put like a little skit in or something like that. But most of the time, like the rest of the video is like just free. Like I just do it. Okay. Yeah. And then editing i'm assuming editing takes a lot longer than filming right how long does that take you normally um hmm, days <laughs> but i mean if i'm not getting distracted it would take me maybe like eight out eight to ten hours over per like video. days yeah wow and are you looking for an editor is that something you're considering I've thought about getting an editor because I want to start vlogging on like my second channel. So I would probably get an editor for that channel. But like for my main channel, it's very hard for me to like give that away because I just feel like my I don't know. I just like the process of editing, even though it takes forever. I like I just get random ideas when I'm editing and I feel like an editor may not do it like I want it, you know? Yeah, no, I, f I feel that giving up the, the control of your own video, must be t especially after editing them yourself for so long. I can get how that'd be hard. Is there is there anyone that kind of inspires you when it comes to creating, whether it be your presence on camera or the way you edit your videos? Is there anyone you kind of look to, not to copy, but to just kind of take different parts of people that kind of inspire you in your own content? Not really. There's not a specific person that really inspires me. Um, I definitely have YouTubers that I love watching. Um, but and I mean, most of the time, the YouTubers that I do love watching is because they are just being themselves. So I guess that can kind of be like my form of inspiration. I just like being myself in my videos. Um, but I wouldn't say there's like one specific person that inspires my content or inspires like what I do. And what's what's your gear situation look like? Like, what are you using to to make all your content? I just use like Canon G7X, like the small little camera. Okay. And you... You used to edit on Sony Vegas Pro, right? Mm hmm And have you upgraded to Final Cut or Premiere yet? Yeah, Final Cut. Yeah, Final yeah. Cut. Okay. Yeah. And so once you've got, you filmed the video, you've edited the video, now you have to upload it. What is, do you have a thumb low or a, a, sorry, a thumbnail strategy that you use? Like, do you try to have specific things in your thumbnails? Like, what does that look like for you? What catches your eye in a thumbnail? If I'm doing like a reaction type of video, I definitely want the thumbnail to have something that would like catch your catch your eye like whoa what is that you know um so that's typically that's typically my goal with all my thumbnails I just want it to be like you can't help but click you know um but yeah that's honestly like my only strategy and I edit all my thumbnails on my iPad like I've never done it on my computer or anything but yeah Okay. And, and clickbaiting works if you do it correctly. I think that's another quote from from your video about how you blew up on YouTube. How do you correctly clickbait? Um, <laughs> um, I think one, you can't lie. Like, I, I don't like when people are just completely lying, but I think you can like stretch the truth a little bit, you know? Um, and so you can also like try and make it a little bit more dramatic than it should be. So I think like with my rating TikTokers apology, I think I like put the TikTokers, I made it look like they were crying or something in the thumbnail. And so like people are like, oh my God, were they crying in their apology video? And so they click. So it's small stuff like that. But no lying, because I feel like that's just a lot. You'll get dislikes. Yeah. And what about, do you do anything with SEO or tagging your videos or anything like that? Um, I was more into it when I was like, before I like blew up, I was like trying to focus on putting the right tags and stuff. But I heard that tags don't really have that much of an impact. I think the most important thing now is like one, your thumbnail for sure. And then your title. And then I think the first two lines of your description box. Okay. Interesting. And what about, and like, now obviously like watch time is another big stat. So what are you doing to, to increase watch time in your video? How do you try and keep people through that whole video? Um, I don't, I feel like I try not to, um, waste too much time, like with random stuff, you know? Um, I like, 
I one, I keep my intros like two minutes max most of the time. Um, and then I get right into the video. And hmm, what else do I do? I think that's about it, honestly. Like I don't really do anything crazy. I just make sure my intros are short because I hate personally, I hate watching like long intros, and I'm sure a lot of people do too. So that's the main thing I yeah. do. And and with doing YouTube full time now, it's obviously like it is a business now for you. When did you finally bring on a manager? Was it when you decided to go full time? Is that when you got a manager finally? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I think yeah. When um, I went full how do you go about finding a manager? Like what does that process even look like? Um, so my first manager, I'm actually like, I've gone through like three, honestly. Um, I think my first one found me. Um, and also my current manager found me too. Um, so I think that was the main thing. I wasn't even thinking I was ready for a manager during the time until they hit me up and I was like, Oh, okay. I guess you could offer me brand deals. Cause I wasn't getting any at the time. And I also didn't know how to like negotiate deals. I didn't know what my rates should even be. Um, and so, yeah, they just found me, said they really liked my videos and wanted to like, I guess, work for me or work with me. And so the manager, do they just bring you brand deals or like, what else do they like? What does their full kind of scope of work look like when they're working with you? Um, so yeah, I've had like different types of managers. So my first manager mostly focused on getting me brand deals and that was about it. Um, and my current manager is more focused on brand deals. Um, and just like getting me different projects, um, keeping like making sure I'm active on all types of social media. Like I guess like 360 type of thing, like focusing on everything relating to me. Okay. And how do you determine what projects to take on and what brands to work with? Um, I mean, we honestly just look at previous, you know, like there's this one brand that actually reached out to me about working with me. Um, but they just have a horrible reputation. Like, yeah, just horrible reputation. So we honestly look at that and we also just, you know, see what works best for my brand. Um, I don't want anything that's like too sexual or too like too crazy, you know, because it's just not my brand. Um, and I also just look at things that I personally have used in the past and things that I genuinely enjoy. What was your first brand deal? I think it was Shein. Shein. You know Shein, right? Yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah. That's a clothing brand. Um, yeah, that was my first one. Okay. And was that like, did that happen recently? Like when did you, so you said you weren't really getting brand deals before you had a manager. So did that come mm -hmm. after you got your first manager? Yeah, it did. I think it was like okay. September or November. Yeah, September. And I know it's obviously, it's going to differ depending on who you work with and the amount of creative freedom that each brand gives you. But how do you go about incorporating brand deals into your videos? Um. So I kind of like to keep it related in a way. I don't want to just throw random brand deals into a video that has no relation to it at all. So if I'm doing a video about like shopping or like I think in, I did a video about Amazon or something. And so I threw in a brand deal that was related to saving money by, you know, when you're shopping and stuff like that. So I try and keep everything related so it doesn't seem like I'm just like posting brand deals just to post it, you know? Mm, okay. And you also launched your own merch, right? Speaking mm -hmm. of clothes. Yeah. yeah. What was that? And you did it with, did you work with Fanjoy? Yeah, Fanjoy. Yeah. And did, was it similar to the manager where they reached out to you or did you reach out to them? Um. I think I reached out to them. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. First off, how cool is it to have your own merch line, get your own clothing for the first time? It was amazing. Like, especially when I took the photos and everything and the website actually launched and people were actually buying. Like, I was like, whoa, okay. That's awesome. What was, what was the process of designing it? Like, was it similar to your thumbnails? Were you designing all the merch on your iPad? Or are you working with Fanjoy? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So I just, I tried to like come up with an idea on my iPad. So I like, I kind of like put like random photos together. And so I was talking back and forth with Fanjoy. So they were like drawing or trying to figure out what it's going to look like on a t-shirt. And we were just going back and forth, me declining, me accepting, you know, so. Another thing you said your manager helps you with it. They're kind of 360. They help you with all the other social platforms. Mm -hmm. So what is kind of your strategy on all the different platforms right now? Um, I'm slacking one, but, um, my strategy is honestly just to post more. Um, I think, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm just so lazy. I don't know what's wrong with me, but, um, I really should be posting more on my Instagram and especially TikTok. Like TikTok is really like blowing up or it's not blowing up, but you know, TikTok is a thing. So I think I should definitely be utilizing TikTok a lot more. Um, but I've been slacking. So. 
Yeah. I, I read somewhere when I was doing my original prep that you were thinking of doing a podcast. Is that coming soon? Yeah, I thought about that. No, it's not coming soon, but hopefully in the future we will have podcasts. Yeah. Okay. And have you, you mentioned, have you been recognized in public yet? Have you had your first person recognize yeah. you? Yeah. I think the first time I got recognized, I was getting a COVID test done. <laughs> okay. It was the person that gave me my COVID test. And I think when I was done, she was like, hey, do you make YouTube videos? And I couldn't believe it. Because, you know, like when you put the swab up your nose, you start like getting teary eyed and stuff. And I'm like, I can't believe you just watched me. <laughs> I can't believe you just watched me go through all of this. And then at the end, you ask, oh, do I make YouTube videos? But it was really nice. I really, really appreciated the girl. And she was super sweet. Yeah, it must be cool to get recognized in public, especially for the first time. Like that's always my, one of my favorite questions to ask people is the first time they get recognized. I think during a COVID test is probably going to be the new top one now. I don't think anyone has a story quite like that. So I think that's awesome. Um, but one video, one video in particular I wanted to ask you about was at Christmas, you're able to surprise your family with a ton of awesome gifts. I think like $15,000 worth of gifts or something like that. How did that feel to be able to do that for your parents? It felt amazing because it's like, I don't know. I mean, one, it's just something that I think everyone wants to do for their parents like one time just feel like oh I got you like you don't have to worry about me anymore you know and so it felt really good to give them a Christmas gift um and just make them like I don't know just show them that like oh it actually paid off like kind of a you know a little I told you so type thing you know um but yeah it felt really really good and I felt good to just watch all of them smile and just be happy that Christmas and it was just mm-hmm. all possible because of me like that. I don't know. It just felt really good. As a full-time YouTuber, are you finally going to buy yourself some new glasses? Oh my God. I can't believe I still have the glasses. <laughs> but yes, I plan on buying new glasses. I Yes, yes. <laughs> I have an IG caption here written down from July 26, 2020. It was heavy on the self-improvement right now. It's really me versus me. And I'm curious how that that mentality factors into into your work now with YouTube because it's so easy to play the comparison game where you have 1.72 million followers now, but like, Oh, but someone has 1.85. And you know what I mean? Like how hard is it to, to do that, to just be you versus you and just kind of focus on yourself and not look at what everyone else is doing around you. Yeah. Um, definitely when I was growing, like over the summer and stuff, I was comparing myself to everyone, like anyone that had like even close to the amount of subscribers I I had, I was looking at how many views they got within the first hour. Like I was just watching everything. And that was really, really bad for me because it added to the anxiety and the stress of me posting a YouTube video. Because if I didn't get as many likes or as many views as they got, I would think that, oh, this video is about to flop, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, I feel like it's just been practice. Like I've just been, I've just gotten to the point where it's like, I got to this point because I'm me. You know, like there's no reason that I should be comparing myself to somebody else that has like a completely different journey than I do, you know? So, um, yeah, it's been a work in progress, but I've, I'm definitely better than I was last summer. Okay. That's good. And I'm curious, we don't, you don't have to answer this question and you can just tell me, we don't have to go through that, but are there any hurdles or challenges you have to overcome as a, as a black creator on YouTube? Um, hmm. I guess. I mean, I feel like in the beginning there were for sure. Um, Just like the fact that I felt like some people wouldn't give my videos a chance just because I was black. And um, I definitely didn't get like, let's say if I was to do the same video as like, I guess, a white content creator, I definitely wouldn't get as many views or I, I, I don't know. I just feel like I just felt like I had to do a lot more in my videos to make sure like I'm getting the watch time, make sure that people are actually watching throughout the video. And hopefully I get a subscription compared to like other people mm-hmm. on the platform. So. Have, have you had to deal with like racist commenters or anything like that? Oh yeah, for sure. Especially since I was doing a video where I was rating TikTokers and word apologies. It was, there was a bunch. Um, yeah. I mean, like I can't even imagine like i can't even put myself in that situation i can't imagine that but how do you like normally ask people about like just getting hate comments but that's on a completely other level so like how do you handle those comments coming in because it's not just like it's just the volume of it must be daunting Mm -hmm. so like how do you kind of handle that um i feel like it's weird it's not even like i'm offended anymore like it's just like I look at them as stupid. <laughs> like, honestly, I'm like, you literally just came to my channel. You came to my own YouTube video. You probably watched the whole thing. Okay, let's be honest. You probably watched the whole thing and then you left a comment. 
Like, and it's a hate comment. It's just weird. Like, I feel like you just, you have too much time on your hands. And so, and I think also I feel this way because I do have a lot of good comments. Like most of my YouTube, I don't get a lot of hate comments, luckily, especially since I stopped doing the rating TikTokers apology videos, but um, I don't get a lot of hate comments. And so when I do get that one hate comment, it's just like, you know, it's not even worth it. It's not worth a reaction at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's fair enough. And how often do you reflect on the whole journey? back to creating your first YouTube channel with Doris to where you are now. Like I, again, so you created your first ever YouTube video in 2012, three channels ago. It's been a long journey. I would not trade it for anything. How often do you look back and reflect on the whole journey? Um, I think, I feel like it happens like every month, honestly. I think, especially when I reach like a new milestone, um, I think when I, cause I just hit like 1.7, so when that happened, I'm like, whoa, like I'm literally 300,000 away from two mil. And so I definitely think about it then. I think about it when, you know, I have like personal goals. So when I reach those personal goals and I'm able to reach it because of YouTube, I think about the journey. And so, um, yeah. Or like if I do random stuff, like if I go out with my mom and like buy her stuff, like I just, I think about that and I'm like, wow, like this time last year, I wasn't able to even afford, I don't know. I don't know. I was I wasn't able to afford a lot of things, honestly. So yeah. If you could go back and tell Courtney in 2012 when she's about to start making her first YouTube video some advice, what would you tell her? Um to keep going. Um yeah, honestly, just to keep going and that, you know, even though the journey is gonna be long, it's gonna be worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. I like that. What's next for you? What do you have coming up? Um, honestly, hopefully a lot of new stuff. I mean, I might be moving. Um, yeah, like just hopefully a lot of new stuff. Like hopefully we're going to be getting new phone cases, new merch, um, and consistency on my vlog channel. So how do you, how do you balance everything? Especially with wanting to increase your content output, you're working on new merch, phone cases, everything like, What's your schedule look like day to day? It's, I don't know. I don't know how I, like, honestly, I don't really do it that well. Like, it seems, I feel like how I just listed everything, it seems like everything is like going good. It's really not like mental turmoil right now. But um, I just, I take it day by day, you know, like, especially with my vlog channel, I'm just deciding I want to be consistent on that channel. So I'm going to try and find an editor because I know I can't do it. Um, and especially since I have a manager, he makes it so easy to, you know, if I want to do merch, we can actually do it on a phone call. We can do stuff. And it's not like all the weight is like put on me, you know? So mm-hmm. you mentioned that you're you still, you haven't really changed. You feel like you haven't changed. You're still you despite everything that's happened. How do you stay grounded? Cause that doesn't, that doesn't happen with everybody when they get the success, they don't necessarily stay the same. So how have you been able to do that? I honestly feel like my trip to LA made me realize like I cannot change because the way some people are, it's just like, wow. I, I just hope I'm never, I never get to that point. And especially since I do have people in my personal life that like, tell me, you know, sometimes we talk about the, the people that have changed and switched up when they got famous. So it's like, I have people in my personal life that will set me or put me straight and um, will tell me when I'm like messing up or like, I don't know, just switching up a little bit. What's your long-term goal with everything? Um, Hopefully I can get into, I don't know, hopefully I can get my own podcast. That's a goal. Um, And hopefully I can just like get into the entertainment business somehow, some way. I don't know what I would do expect. I mean, but yeah, hopefully I can just get into something outside of YouTube. Um, Yeah. Okay. And you said a move coming up. Is that LA? yeah (laughs) yeah that's exciting that's Mm -hmm. exciting um but before i let you go i want to ask you the same standard set of questions i ask everybody at the end of every interview um i used to call them rapid fire but people tell me they're not really rapid fire questions so i started calling it the q a but i realized the podcast is the whole thing is a q a so i don't have a name for this section um but the first question is you're going to dinner you can take three people it can be anybody dead or alive who do you take to dinner Um, I think I would take Corey X Kenshin, favorite YouTuber. I would take 
uh, Nicki Minaj because I feel like it'll be funny. <laughs> and um, who else would I take? Hmm. Doris, my best friend. I like that. Mm-hmm. What is some of the best advice you've ever been given? To keep going. I feel like it sounds really cliche, but I, I mean, honestly, in my life, I've seen it to be like, obviously useful. Yeah, that's the most important advice. Kind of on that point, actually, how do you know when to keep going versus when to throw in the towel? Like, how do you know when it's time to change things up? Personally, I feel like if you don't see any progress. So yeah, like if you're doing something and it's like, you're not, but it's kind of, but yeah, like, I feel like if you don't see any progress. And I think that's, I think that's right. I think a lot of people just expect progress to come in a week and not necessarily in like a year or two. You know what I mean? So like yeah. progress is important, but people sometimes don't have the patience to get to the progress. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. What is one thing about you people wouldn't expect? Um, that in my videos, I'm super, super outgoing and like, just so happy. And I don't know in person, like, honestly, when you first meet me, I'm like more reserved and more like on the shy level. Um, and I don't talk like a lot unless I like really get to know you. What is one thing that's so important? Everybody needs to know. Ooh, I guess grass is not always greener on the other side. Okay. Well, I'm curious why that's the important thing. Um, I guess I'm just thinking of like YouTube. I feel like people, and I even had this expectation, like famous YouTubers, big YouTubers have like such an easy life. Like everything is good for them when it's like, that's not the case at all. Like, I think even though you, they may have more subscribers, more money or more, whatever, um, there's more problems for real. Like, I think there's genuinely, that is definitely true. Um, more anxiety, more pressure, more stress and all of that. What are some of those problems that you didn't expect before becoming a full-time YouTuber? Um, just like, mostly like just um, feeling like, feeling like I'll be forgotten. I feel That's like a weird thing that I just, I feel like it happened more when, I think especially since I like grew so fast, I feel like some things that happen really fast, like can be lost really fast. And so um, I think that's like one of the stuff that I didn't ever expect to like feel because obviously before I grew, I just felt like, you know, I'm good. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think okay. that, yeah. Yeah. For the last question, I like to flip the script a little bit. So instead of me asking the question, it's you asking the question, but it's not to me. Pretend you have a crystal ball and you can ask this crystal ball any question. You'll get the 100% honest answer. What is one question you want to know the answer to? What do I want to know? Oh my God. Um. I guess, where will I be in five years? Okay. Okay. That's a good mm-hmm. question. But I want to thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast. I want to give you the floor. Where can the people find you? Plug anything and everything you got right now. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. You can find me on Instagram, Coreezy, YouTube, Coreezy, and I think on Twitter, Coreezy underscore. Um, it was nice being here. Yeah. 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 It was great having you here. Thank you once again for taking time to be on the podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening, whether you've listened the entire way through or you only listen to bits and pieces. I really appreciate taking time to check this out. Everyone do me a big favor. Go and follow Courtney. Go and subscribe to her YouTube channel. Make sure everything is linked in the show notes down below so you can find it. If you'd like to follow me, you can find me everywhere on social media at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello. My DMs are always open. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.